the episode 14 of the Adelan Rising podcast. We're your hosts, Sarah and Doc and Adam. Today we're going to talk about Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur 17, Miss Marvel 16, as well as a look back at Charles Soule's Uncanny Inhumans run and looking forward into Royal Secret Warriors and Black Bolt. How are you today, <laughs> boys? I'm good. I'm just okay. <laughs> You're just okay. <laughs> just okay. <laughs> just Rough okay. night, hunt. Rough These night, are too hunt. many bevies. <laughs> um, we'll also touch base on uh, on updates with ABCs and humans, which has been uh, throwing forward some screenshots of uh, of the production. It's looking very exciting. It is. Um, yeah. Thanks to everybody, by the way. Uh, that's actually been like tweeting us and stuff because <laughs> without them, I think we'd completely miss the news because I spend my, most of my time at home asleep. So, oh, so oh, I'm at well, work when the news starts getting posted. So I know um, two people in particular, uh, Corey and uh, SWS. I forget your Twitter handles, but there are the two that uh, tweet us frequently with updates from uh, Hawaii 808 and Real News Hawaii who are posting the um, set photos. So thank you guys oh, okay. for all the um uh for forwarding us those um so that we can retweet them. Um yeah, it's pretty handy. It's, it is really handy. So um we'll call you field reporters. <laughs> the field reporters. The embedded reporters. Right? <clears throat> the ones that so, the, um, the ones that have finally got a little bit of a uh, little bit of praise. Um <clears throat> Yeah, no. I, if, if we if we find uh, if you guys have some Twitter followers who are actually in Hawaii, um, maybe we can get someone from the set. <laughs> right. Um, but looks like now we've finally seen uh, pictures of Crystal's outfit, and uh, it's looking pretty good. And Medusa's is looking pretty uh, on target with what we've seen in the comics as well. So. Yeah, I'm really happy with how uh, how Crystal is looking. Yeah. What's the name of the actress? Oh, Isabel Cornish? Isabel. <laughs> that sounds right. Isabel <laughs> Cornish. We are not totally here today, apparently. So. <laughs> We're here now. Well, in in any case, uh, Isabel Cornish, um, the pictures of her as Crystal, her, her outfit looks like it's taken right from the pages of Fantastic Four. And um, they've got the, the hair band. Um, uh, and the- Sort of the trademark crystal hairband dyed into her hair. It looks really neat. Yeah, um, and the tips of her hair are black too. So it's definitely yeah, it's, very old school it's, crystal. Cool. Yeah, it's an ombra. Um, and if if you if you you, you can't really see it because it's just uh, you can't really zoom in on the picture, but you can also see Karnak at the end of that um, big screen pic at the procession. Um, oh yeah. Ken Luong as as Karnak. He looks like they're utilizing the um, the uh, Warren Ellis uh, look, the sort of hobo chic Karnak. Um, so that's exciting. Hobo um, chic. <laughs> 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 and um, uh, Black Bolt and and uh, we've seen his outfit. Um, Anson Mount as Black Bolt. He's He's got looks like we've seen his uh, casual black bolt look. Um, no, no sign of his tuning fork yet. Um, and and of course, blue jaw. Well, we've seen black bolt getting arrested in a, a tuxedo too. So there's that as well. So, yep. 
All right. Um, but, I mean, talking talk about the TV show, so <clears throat> uh, so the showrunner of The Inhumans is the same showrunner for Iron Fist, right? Yes, Scott Buck. <clears throat> Have you guys seen anything of Iron Fist? Actually, Doc and I were uh, talking this about this before we started recording. Go ahead, Doc. I I, I did watch um, uh, a portion of it. I watched the first couple episodes, and I watched the last couple episodes. Um, it's a fine show. It's probably my least favorite of the Netflix Marvel shows. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, you know, I'm I'm not as psyched to throw out negative reviews as I am positive reviews, but I, I, this, it left me a little cold. I'll say that. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, <clears throat> I watched the first episode, uh, for as long as I possibly could. And I, I, di- I didn't like it too much. Well, here's what um, I'm hearing. I haven't, I'm going to interrupt you a minute, Adam. I haven't watched it yet because getting me to watch anything is like pulling <laughs> teeth. I still haven't even finished Jessica Jones yet. But that said, um, what I'm hearing is that it starts slow, but then the middle episodes get really, really good, and then it kind of tapers off again. But um, and that's what that's what I've heard. Now, um, Doc, you were saying that you don't think that is necessarily pinned on Scott Buck, though. Yeah, I think what the problems I had um, with the show was was very much about the the direction, the fight yeah. choreography, and the acting. Um, for instance, you know, when when uh, Jessica Chadwick's character, Colleen Wing, is on screen, the show, um, <laughs> Bonsai agrees, um, the show <laughs> really picks up, and it's quite good. There's a, a really great scene where she's having a cage match, and um, suddenly I was really into it. Um, but then when the scenes that focus more on Danny Rand and his um, sort of brother and sister, uh, it just grinds to a halt. And I feel like that um, that goes on the director and the actors, much less than the showrunner. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't really that. know how these things work. But I, I think that... I, if- I, I think surely a showrunner is, is somebody that literally runs the show. He gets the directors in the right place, he gets the actors in the right place, but then they are individually associated to their own thing. It's not like, you know, <clears throat> any any three of us could direct a movie, but it doesn't mean we'd be good at it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's right. like, but the people that employ us have employed us to do that job. Right. It's, you know, I, well, I, I, you know, I don't know whether, how much the showrunner has to do with, like, um you know, getting the people in on it and hiring people and firing people and that sort of stuff. But it just, yeah, I think the showrunners, yeah, don't know how to put it, but. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's a, it's a different, it's a different animal because most people who, who are, you know, were really psyched about this show probably watched it all at once, you know, binge watched it. And it's not a show that loans itself well to the binge watch because it doesn't, it doesn't like uh, speed you through it. Yeah. Now, in humans, going to be a different story because it's going to be the same number of well, I think eight episodes long, but the the the, the second six will all be created to have commercials in it, you know, yeah. and so the pacing is going to be completely different, and it's a different cast, and um, 
So I don't know if I would look at Iron Fist and say, all right, this bodes poorly for Inhumans. It doesn't bode great, but I'm not, you know, I'm not too scared. Yeah, that's it. I I think, (laughs) I I also think that it's just the fact that Inhumans has got such a bigger cast. It's, in my opinion, you know, I think there's the the director in there is is kind of a, a bit of an unknown or not so much an unknown, but he's, he's been put on some, Projects but is that he only doing the first two episodes, or is he doing all eight? I'm not sure. I it's think that's the first two, isn't it? I think. IMDb has him doing just the first two. It also, it's not clear yet um, uh, who's writing what. Um, but um, <clears throat> although I'm, I, I, I can't really speak of the Scorpion King Part Three or whatnot. <laughs> the guy has directed a lot of movies he's he's certainly not a novice so um that's it i think someone can't someone can't work in hollywood for that long and not be good at what they do so i'm sure that he's perfectly serviceable director yeah i i think Um, i think it's in my opinion it's the director and the actual writers that do the bigger part of the the work and in my opinion it should never be the showrunner that's blamed for it's usually those two people Got it. So, yeah, I mean, that's my opinion. <clears throat> and that's that's kind of why I sort of led into that, because I think Iron Fist is a difficult one to really compare right. to. And I, Well, Get yeah. Right as well. I think Iron Fist is a weird one, because it's it, it's a, an incredibly unknown character, you know, at least, at least with Jessica Jones and uh, Daredevil. They were relatively mainstream, at least in the comic book industry. And uh, yeah, they've had, and they've and had really the good Cage runs. Led the uh, orig- led the Avengers. I mean, and and Iron Fist, you could was popped up in the comics, but then he seemed to disappear for a little while. So yeah, but. and it was just a, it was a, it was an, in my opinion, Iron Fist was just an odd character to get onto screen. Um, Inhumans make more sense because mm. of the fact that they've had Agents of Shield. So. Right. Yeah, I see. It's my opinion of it anyway. I I, I mean I liked Iron Fist. Uh, Back in the day, um, Matt Fraction and David Aja did a run on Iron Fist, which is really great. I highly I've recommend that. that, that yeah, I've heard that. Um, but I had—I mean, I'm one of those guys who kind of agreed with the whole um, blowback on Iron Fist in, in regards to uh, cultural misappropriation. Um, it really is an, a very old-fashioned trope. This idea of a of a white guy from America traveling to a mystical place in Asia and becoming the best martial artist. It's, it's you know, it's very 1950s. Uh, it sounds like um, it sounds like in the in the UK we have a, a bit of a stereotype around uh, guys going on gap years, and it's gap always year, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's always the uh, it's always the really rich white boys that go on a gap year. And it's like oh, I got on a gap year, right. yeah, it's gap year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then, and then that's the kind of guy too. that I, yeah, I, that's the kind of guy that um, Danny Rand is, unfortunately. So, wow, yeah. in, in, in the move in the, in the TV show, he is. I'm not entirely sure about the comic books, though. Well, the hmm. the one Iron okay. Fist, uh, Power Man, and Iron Fist comic I read was the um, annual, and I actually like Danny in that. So, there's oh yeah, so. David David Walker and Sanford Green's current run on Power Man and Iron Fist is great. Um, highly recommend that book. Um, and I'm I'm imagining, Sarin, that uh, you read it because Jessica Drew shows up in it. 
in that what, issue, right? What, whatever gave you that idea, <laughs> I I would not do. Yeah, yeah, that's totally exactly why I picked it up, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. <clears throat> anyway, um, actually, speaking of David Walker, and um, I know we've got off the t- tangent of Inhumans, but um, uh, looks like one of my uh, mixed Marvel arts uh buddies, uh, Sean Martineau, um, interviewed David Walker recently. I don't think the ep- the episode first podcast is going to air until April. But uh, just might want to keep up on uh, mixedmarvelarts.com to see when that goes live. He said they it was oh, like a hour interview, so apparently, so that's um, cool. I like David yet. Walker a lot. Yeah, so he was able to talk to him. So keep an eye out for that. Anyway, um, back to his let's dive in. Back to the Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur Seventeen, um, which is the the second to last. Uh, installment of the world's smartest storyline um and it's a pretty fun one it sees uh moon g and devil devil d uh teaming up with none other than the extraordinary x-men um which is the uh team of x-men that um jeff lemire has been writing uh for the last 20 issue um i think it just ended um and will now become x-men blue um uh written by Guggenheim, Mark Guggenheim. I yeah. think so. And uh, and it splits um, off slightly into uh, was it Astonishing X Men as well? Uh, um, well, I guess Old Man Logan will be uh, in by, Astonishing, written by the man himself. But we'll we'll get out to that later. Right. Well, um, the Extraordinary X Men team is is pretty fun. Um, I I really like the beginning of that series. I kind of lost steam with it towards the middle. Um, but uh, it's a great squad. It's made up of Storm, Old Man Logan, Colossus, um, Teen Jean, and Teen Jean. Although she's not in this issue, uh, okay. Forge and Magic. And Magic's also not in this issue either. Uh, Old Man Logan, Nightcrawler, whatever. It's a good squad. Um, very uh, reminiscent of the good old. Well, as a matter of fact, they travel back in time <laughs> sort of in this issue okay well it's a it's kind of weird um moon girl is trying to find dr doom who's been bedeviling her for the last four issues and uh she reaches out to forge to help her he takes her to a storage unit in upstate new york or not a storage unit an abandoned mall. strip mall yeah a mall that's been abandoned and uh, he has a sto- he has a, one of his secret labs there in an old sam goody record store um for for you younger sam goody. listener <laughs> sam goody wow. was a was a mainstay for mine when i was a kid i'd go there all the time there was one on the end of my block um and uh you, you could go pick up the latest 45 from Thompson Twins. <laughs> Anyways, um, so they go to this uh, mall and they, they pick up an old Cerebro unit, which is a, a machine that can find mutants anywhere in the world. And Lunella combines it with the OmniWave projector in an effort to use it to locate Dr. Doom. Um, bef- now, of course, Forge is like, that's a terrible idea. But before he can do anything, she turns it on and it creates this strange rift in the time space continuum that sends them all back to the 1980s. <laughs> and suddenly, <laughs> suddenly the mall is alive with life and everyone's got terrible clothes on. And the, the X Men have been transformed into their younger selves. Uh, 
Wolverine is is young again. He's got his orange and brown outfit, which is my favorite, by the way. And yeah. Storm is back in her punk rock outfit, which is also my favorite. Just don't um, say radical, okay? Yeah. Radical. It's, it's tubular. Um, Rad. <laughs> right. Fortunately... Oh, these uh, old references. Sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean that. Lunella. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it was... Uh, um, it's the 1980s, um, and... Um, uh, they have their, they maintain their their older consciousnesses, even though they're in their younger bodies. So they kind of know what's going on. Well, they don't know what's going on, but before they can figure it out, Doctor Doom, actually a whole army of Doctor Dooms, um, besieged the mall, and a big battle ensues. And it's, um, you know, the Devil Dinosaur and the X Men team. They fight pretty valiantly, but they can't quite um, match up against an army of of Dooms. Um, but Lunella, she makes an adjustment on her combined Cerebro Omniwave projector machine, and it freezes time, then it sends time back, and somehow they end up back in the present with Doom as their prisoner. Well... Just, just one Doom. <laughs> and uh, Logan, old man Logan, uses his enhanced senses to figure out who this Doom is right away, and he uses his claws and chops his head off. And it turns out that it's not Dr. Doom. It's a doom bot. Mm. One of his, uh, robot duplicates who, um, must have gone rogue once, uh, the real Victor Von Doom, uh, decided to try his hand at being a hero as, as detailed in the ongoing infamous Iron Man series. So this is a rogue doom bot who has decided that it needs to take out Lunella to prove that it is the smartest, that Doom is the smartest of the smart and whatnot. Um, so I guess that's that. Um, she takes the robot head back to her own lab, and she wonderfully poses it atop a stop sign. Um, and it's still prattling on at her. Um, this disembodied head is like, I'm going to beat you, and you're, you know. At which point, Lunella comes to the decision, well, I'm going to need to reach out and for help, um, which I think is the major uh, theme of the story is that, yes, she is the smartest person on earth, but she can't go, she can't go at it alone. She needs to rely on others. That's what is going to be the uh, deciding factor that allows her to triumph over doom, which is really befitting because that's how it always was in the fantastic four. You know, one could argue that Dr. Doom is smarter than Reed Richards, perhaps, but he was, but he never allowed himself to depend on others. Reed Richards, he could depend on his family amongst the Fantastic Four, and that was always the X factor that allowed him to triumph, and Doom always got defeated because he didn't depend on his friends. Yeah. So I think the last issue of this arc <clears throat> is going to see Lunella team up with everyone that she's made <laughs> friends with over the last... That would be great. You know, that would be great. So that would be awesome. I think we're going to see the Thing, the Hulk, Doctor Strange, Riri Williams, Ironheart, and the X Men all come together to help her. And do that you, the real. Do you the, reckon uh, that's moral that, of the story? Go on. I'm sorry, I was about to say. Do you reckon that's? Do you reckon that's why this book has been so popular, though? Like just the sheer fact that it's all about you know teamwork. The, the, what I mean is like because it's very popular with young kids, that sort of stuff. And sure. I think that's probably the reason why it's just because it's it's just so friendly and it's just so sort of 
family orientated is is that the best way to describe it it's just it's an all ages book and i think a lot of kids can kind of relate to lunella in the sense that um how can i how can i say this it's like i think a lot of kids can relate to lunella in 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 the fact that um they don't always feel like they're taken seriously. Like yeah. I feel like Lunella um, feels like she gets brushed off a lot and that adults don't listen to her just because she is a kid yeah. and she doesn't have the life experience that they do. And I, I think, I think that's part of it. She has a lot to say and lots of thoughts and opinions, but she doesn't feel like anyone's going to bother to listen to her. And I think um, part of this arc has been to show that there are people that will listen to you and, and just finding your way that way and i think that's why it was important that she met riri especially because riri was in her shoes almost yeah. exactly yeah same yeah, age yeah four years uh yeah i think you're right um the first i think um the fir- bff the first arc and cosmic cuties or cooties the second arc was a lot about uh lunella struggling to be validated to be taken seriously and it culminated with her being identified by Amadeus Cho as the smartest person on earth. So she was validated. And now this arc, World Smartest, has been about her now realizing that, okay, she has been taken seriously. Now she needs to take other people seriously yeah. and realize that, exactly. that you know, true, true self-agency comes from being mutual, comes from, from depending on others. It's, it's almost um, like that. that is, it's almost like that perfect kind of, um, you know. You see, it's, super, it's actually a thing I think in superhero movies where, um, you know, you find you need to depend on yourself, and then you need to be able to learn to depend on other people. You know, look at look at like just the movies themselves. If you you know, look at like uh, Iron Man and that sort of stuff. They didn't want to come together as a team, and then they realized they had to. And it's always just. It's, it's Actually, the... that's the theme in Power Rangers too. Yes, I, I did see that movie. <laughs> but, but it's just that traditional. You, it's, it's almost just a, a traditional comic book trope, really, and it's just it been is. done so well. I think it is done extremely well in this one, um, and um, I think that it's done in a fashion that is um, accessible to young and old ri- readers alike. You know, yeah. it's it's child younger reader friendly. But not younger reader exclusive, because yeah. I mean my 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 nieces and nephews love this book and they 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 get so excited every time I bring them the newest issues. Um, but I also love it and read it, so um, it's it's neat that it can it can be accessible to to kids and adults alike. And yeah, that's really good. I mean, I especially appreciate it just as a as a a psychologist who works a lot with kids. I think that um, writers Amy Reader and Brendan Montclair have really done a good job of getting into the mindset of of a young, precocious person, and um, it's it's been really well done. Yeah, and the fact they've been doing it for seventeen issues as well. I yeah. think that's just. I mean, you know, you, you hear of a creative team sort of like doing a a book for a run. But I, I don't think I've right. seen one recently, other than like the big <laughs> X Men uh, in human stuff. Other than the big titles, there isn't very many that's actually stuck with a creative team for longer than maybe eight issues. Yeah, the, oh. the longest, the longest uh, run uh, where I think 
artist and writer worked together. Maybe Matt Fraction and uh, uh, La Roca as run on Iron Man, Invincible Iron Man. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but um, the, uh, I would also say that possibly um, Bendis's alias with um, Gatos as the artist was another one. Hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I mean more, more of more of recent well, times. Like, to be yeah, fair, yeah, recent times. Well, I will say that you got a good oh, seventeen. You you had twenty something issues from Javi. Well, no, because he only he only wrote he only drew Spider Woman up to issue ten. So he did fifteen issues on Spider Woman, and then yes, this is probably. And Tana Ford did seventeen on Silk, I think. Or close, hmm. maybe not that many. But yeah, I think you might be right. The whole squad, um, the whole creative squad from Moon Girl, Devil Dinosaur, you know, uh, Reader, Montclair, and then the penciling by uh, Natasha Bustos and the coloring by Tamara Bonvillain. Um, I think with the exception of two or three issues, they've been together for the whole run and they really sync together as a, as a team. It's, the you know it's, it's kind of rare that you see that where there's this real synergy uh, between the whole creative staff. I mean, I don't know um, who's doing the lettering. I'm sure, that, but um, they're good Joe too. <laughs> That's um, what I mean. It's it's so it is genuinely really rare to see these days. Just to just a book do so well purely on the merits of one team. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, it's it, been pretty awesome. Yeah. It makes well, you wonder we'll, we'll, we'll if they'll sit. stick around and stay. At the, the four of them will stay as a team for other other comics. I know, I know, Montclair and Reader. I think they both do Rocket Girl together. Hmm. But um, they did, which is great, and I recommend to anyone to pick up Rocket Girl. Um, the solicitation for the June issue of Moon Girl. I don't know if it's a typo or if if this is how it is, but it's. Uh, I think Brendan Montclair is writing that one solo. Um, oh, okay. But um, I'm, I'm psyched to see it, um, and I think that um, that World Smartest is going to be a great book in trade that's going to do really well. Um, I can't wait to give it to a number of my patients because I know they're going to love it. Um, so we'll see how it how it concludes in the next issue. Um, yeah, really look I'm that. And, to and then a- after that, the next arc has Lunella meeting a, a young version of Ego, the Living Planet, who's a, a, a surprise. I'm not sure surprise. What her name it's is Girl Girl Moon. It's Girl Moon. It's a Girl Moon. It's, yeah, Moon Girl meets Girl Moon, and, and it's, I think it's that like started. I saw that on a Twitter, and I think that started kind of as a joke, and then it just ballooned into an actual arc. It's what uh, it sounded it looks like great. on Twitter. I was it about does to say, great. if you're if you're gonna if they're starting to include Guardians of the Galaxies in solicitation for sort of May, completely understandable ah. why, but it's just yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say any more on that subject. It just gets a bit. I just love the cover for the June issue because it's Devil Dinosaur in a little spacesuit and he's got the tiny little like <laughs> arms for gloves. And it's, it's, oh, cute! It's great. <laughs> Natasha Bustos, I think, drew the cover for that. And it is, it is fantastic. But you so. see, what, that's that's exactly what I mean. It's kind of, it's just so, so refreshing to have a book where everybody's on the same sort of like uh, sense of humor. They've all got the same kind of you know view on the book and that sort of stuff. I mean, you, you know, it's a it's it's a genuinely nice book 
to read. It's yeah. not like it's it's dealing with 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 light themes. I think that the theme of the story about mutuality and autonomy yeah. is quite it's a heavy theme, but the book itself is light and fun. And it's especially nice to see the X-Men do being involved in a fun light story because their stories have been so much about doom and gloom and and the yeah. death of their whole race and it's like, "Oh god." So it's refreshing to see them having fun. You know, yeah. and, uh, and I hope that continues. One of as the well. little details in the story is that when they're in this record store, uh, Colossus is just going through these records and picking up records for his own collection. Um, it's just a neat little bit uh, that uh, Bustos added into the illustration. Um, I think he picks out uh, New Kids on the Blocks, uh, Hanging Tough, which is not an album <laughs> I would recommend but i guess he needs it for his collection <laughs> oh come on um, i love that album when i was a kid what are you talking okay. about yeah, well, it's oh, you know i have no idea who you're talking about yes because you're young um, yeah <laughs> it's, it's like kind of they are the precursor to nsync and the backstreet boys but it's new kids on the block and if you grew up in the late 80s early 90s they were like the band to follow they, they sound awful they're awesome <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, it's just the fact they that were you, all... wait, it's just the fact that you compare them to Backstreet Boys. I'm just like, no, no. Well, they were one of the first <sighs> sort of prefab uh, boy bands. Yeah, yeah. Um, they uh, they were they... very 80s. Oh yes. Okay. So anywho, the Atlanta Rising podcast okay, so... giving you the information you need. Yes, <laughs> about Reaganomics. <laughs> um, okay, so. Um, Miss Marvel 16, also very fun and very heavy. Um, this is a man, this story, I don't even know where to begin. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll begin with a recap. Uh, <laughs> she <be> so, <laughs> Miss Marvel has been um, uh, t- stalked by this internet troll um, who she thought was just a regular internet troll, but it turns out it's actually an artificial AI. It's a, uh, it's a sentient piece of malware that, um, which is terrifying um, in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's a meh comment that has come to life and, um, it's yeah, it's very frightening and it can take over any machine. It can take over any human, except for Miss Marvel. Um, and now it is trying to blackmail Kamala into using her um, access to Shield to get it to plug the the sentience into Shield's um, interface or their uh, their um, communications array, which will make this sentient virus um, almost omnipotent. Um, and the way it's doing this is it's, it's blackmailing uh, Kamala, saying, if you don't do what I, what I order, not only will I tell the world your secret identity, but I will also post to your school's listserv um, all of the, uh, the love letters that Zoe, one of the supporting cast, has been drafting and writing but not sending to Nakia, who is another ca- uh, uh, who's a classmate. Um, uh, this is uh, Zoe just recently 
sort of came to terms with the fact that she's um, a lesbian, but she hasn't told anyone, and she hasn't told Nakia that, that she's fallen in love with her. And, and it would be just this terribly embarrassing thing um, if if this this uh, computer virus were to tell the whole school the secret. Um, you know, now Kamala, she's like, wait, Zoe's not in love with Nakia? And it's like, oh, uh, yes, she is. Um, but mm-hmm. she she's so scared for them and so scared for herself and her family that she's willing to be bullied. She's willing to do what she's told by this by Doc X, this computer virus, um, because she doesn't want, you know, she's okay taking lumps herself, but she's not willing to put anyone else at risk. So she goes to the Triskelion, which is the uh, shield um I guess hub, and she's almost. Uh, she meets Phil Coulson. Um, there's also a very quick um, Monica Chang uh, cameo, which I really appreciate as an old reader of Sam Humphrey's Avengers AI. Um, and uh, she almost plugs in the little thumb drive that um, has the DocX uh, virus in it. She almost plugs it into their uh, communications array, which would have been disastrous. And at the last minute, she, I can't do it. I just can't do it, and she runs away, and Coulson has no idea what's going on. But um, and so she feels that what she needs to do is she needs to tell Zoe, uh, give her a heads up that this is going to happen. So she bursts into Zoe's uh, bedroom <laughs> in full Miss Marvel outfit and shouts to her, "An evil computer virus knows you're gay and is going to send your secret love letters to Nakia to the entire school listserv." <laughs> Which is really my favorite. I mean, it's it's a scary idea, but it's a it's such a hilarious panel, um, uh, and uh, it kind of summarizes the uh, the tenor of this issue and this story arc in one panel. Um, and we, we, it's we get this really neat scene where Zoe is is uh, takes it all surprisingly well. Um, she knows that Miss Marvel has made the right choice. She used to be a very big bully herself, and she knows that um, when you give in to a bully, you only make things worse. And she really can't keep her secret anymore. She needs to tell Nakia how she feels. She doesn't really hope that Nakia will feel the same way towards her, but she needs to tell her that she's in love with her, and she needs to do it on her own terms. Um, and Miss Marvel is so impressed by the bravery that Zoe shows that it kind of emboldens her to to take on Doc X and not be bullied anymore. So she goes to a secluded yard devoid of any machines that can be taken over and used against her. And he, she basically calls him and she says, go ahead and do whatever you want. You can't bully me. It's, um, it's pretty cool. We also get this wonderful scene where Zoe and Nakia meet um, and you know, Zoe tells her how she's how she feels that she's been in love with her, and you know, Na- Nakia is surprised but not dismayed. You know, she thinks that Zoe is wonderful. She's proud of how she's been able to shed the confines of how she feels she should be and be who she truly is. You know, she doesn't feel the same towards Zoe. She she can't reciprocate that love, um, but she will never stop being her friend, and she'll have her back no matter what. And it's just, it's a, it's a tearjerker. It's just such an intense scene. And I, I have to imagine there are many readers out there who will feel a great deal of encouragement from this scene. Be like, you know what? 
if Zoe can do it, I can do it too. I can be true about myself, and it's um, it's wonderful. Um, meanwhile, uh, Kamala feels outmatched by this computer virus. She doesn't know who to go to, and she's she's desperate. So she tracks down Bruno. Bruno has not been talking to her ever since Secret War. Uh, I mean, sorry, Civil War Two, where they had a big falling out. But Bruno's, you know, he's so smart with computers. Maybe he can help. And he's really icy towards her on the phone. He doesn't. He's not ready to to forgive her yet. But he he does. Uh, he is willing to look at the the program specs that she sends her, and and he realizes that this is a very interesting program. It's it's learning every time it recycles itself. It adds new data, and Kamala realizes that this this uh, this program is learning from them from young people in general from the the kids in her class and and the way that people are and it gives her some inspiration some eureka moment that we don't know yet what it is that she feels she's confident she knows how to defeat doc x and that will be detailed in the next issue nice deep stuff Um, so it's uh it's it's intense yeah that's pretty intense and i think um Unfortunately, I forgot to pick up the issue last week when it came out, so I haven't read it. So, um, but that it just sounds absolutely fantastic. So I have to go back and buy it this weekend. And I'm sorry for slacking. <laughs> so okay. we're, we're both in that boat. But, yeah. <laughs> so well, you know, that, we that's a lot to unpack, about... though. That is a lot to unpack. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think um, I think these two books that we just talked about again, it, they they don't go into anything overly light it's not actually you know the books themselves are quite light and quite friendly and to to read but this this content matter is just yeah yeah. but i'm wondering if it's it's that way and like i and i'm gonna i know i said this before but g willow wilson about this arc of miss marvel had had gone on to say you know i would rate this as um the later harry potter books in terms of how heavy it is so you know just keep that in mind um if your child is a bit uh, more on the sensitive side, and um, yeah, I think that um, it's. But uh, I think really quickly, if it's if, if Miss Marvel and Moon Girl are both books that parents are reading with their children, I think they're also books that these two these arcs in particular are definitely books that would in, in, in instigate discussion. I would think between parents and kids about you know the issues. Well, I mean, it's, it, yeah. it, it's instigated because discussion between us, and it's pretty been yes. pretty heavy topics. Like the last few episodes, we've you know spoken about it. Yeah. So I think that kind of shows you just just how deep it is. Topics. Yeah, and it's it's funny because you know you get the you get the big events and stuff like that. You know, uh, humans versus X Men, uh, and that kind of stuff. And it's it's totally, totally so far removed from this kind of stuff. I mean, obvi- for obvious yeah. reasons, obviously, they, you know, they just want to sell comics, but I, I feel like kids need, um, how do I, how do I put this? The kids, the kids need role models. And I think the best role models are ones that are on paper because you can write them really well to, um, to, you know, to associate with these people. So, you know, the kind of kids that are in school at the moment. I think that's really well, nice. A fictional world is a fictional world is safer. Yeah, it's a, a safe place to explore unsafe themes, um, scary themes, um, and you know, with Miss Marvel and Moon Girl, you have these very safe and 
friendly characters that are so easy to relate to, even though um, in terms of demographics, they're quite dissimilar to your traditional superheroes. Um, and uh, it's just a really neat to have, have these scary subject matters, heavy things that can be explored and unpacked in a safe context. And I would have loved to have had that when I was younger. I could have used that. <laughs> um, so I'm all. really happy with these books. I think and that's... I, I, I think I, that's... I feel a, Sorry, carry on, Doc. <laughs> I, I feel a, a sense of ill-gotten, vicarious pride that in human books are are doing these things. You know, yeah. I, I've really enjoyed Uncanny X. Uncanny and Humans, I've really enjoyed IVX. But it was more popcorn. Um, this is more heavy and um, more emotionally like, satisfying maybe you would say perhaps yeah and i like that the human in human books as a as a overarching tent has been able to supply both you know i, yeah. I think the x books doing that too because anyone who's reading all new wolverine it's it's also uh doing a lot of cool stuff with that which we don't need to get into but um i, I, suggest I think that, book. that pick that book up it's, it's a good a, book it's a good one yeah <laughs> But you know, it's it, it's funny. It's kind of an irony that that the Doc X storyline is going on at the same time in which IVX was concluding because I got so much um, anonymous hate asks <laughs> on my <laughs> Tumblr site after IVX six that um, I kind of felt like I was being besieged by Doc X. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> I felt a certain degree of, uh, uh, you know, like all I was doing was saying, oh, I like the Inhumans. And man, for some reason, that just put me in the crosshairs but, of but all of this uh, anonymous hate. But it's, it's quite funny because um, all of the books that have, you know, come out in recent times, they've all been like pretty, you know, deep topics. Like obviously IVX and that sort of stuff has been, you know, the death of mutants, that kind of thing. And these have yeah. been more kind of personal stuff, but it's all it's all had the same theme of you know just just be decent to each other, <laughs> you know, right? just, if just do the yeah. decent thing, okay? <laughs> you know, and I I think in in you know I suppose it's a sign of the times as well to be quite honest with you, but yeah, just just be decent to each other, everyone. Just just be nice. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's there's no reason to not be exactly. Well, it's it's hard because. Um... You know, with with the faceless anon un, anonymity. Oh gosh, being anonymous sometimes can bring about a nastier side on the internet. You know, people will say things from the distance and and uh, and facelessness. They they would never say face to face. You know, yeah. And that can be liberating, but it can also be easily abused. Um and. It's, you know, what would normally be a decent and civil conversation can uh, deteriorate into something really uncivil and nasty on an online forum or on Tumblr or Facebook or what have you. Um, and that's something, I mean, people of your generation, Adam, and people of the younger generation, um, it, it's it's really an issue that needs to be addressed because um, that's that is the central form of communication for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I have patients who will say things to me in a text. They would never say to me um, face-to-face during a session. Um, it's because they're more comfortable 
yeah. communicating that way. Yeah. And that's great. That's wonderful. I, I'm all for it. Uh, anything that um, augments expression is good. Um, but it com- with it comes certain responsibilities because when you text something or when you put it up online, it's there forever. Yeah, you know? that's it. It's there forever, and um, it, 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 it creates a sense of heaviness that, um, you know, Seren, you and I didn't have to deal with. Yeah. The mistakes we made, we made, the mistakes I made when I was 16 were oh, yeah, permanently uh, uh, cataloged for everyone to see for all time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank exactly. God like, There was, I mean, I was, for the most part, a pretty good kid, but there were some stupid things my friends and I did that, um, growing up that did not make it to the internet because once it's on the internet, it's there forever. So I'm I'm glad that I kind of got the opportunity to kind of get all the dumb stuff done before social media became a huge deal. So, yeah. <laughs> so. Aye, aye, aye. I mean, do you yeah, know, was, um, you know, just just sort of as a as a side thing more than anything, it's actually a conversation I had today, and it was quite amusing because. It was kind of like um, the difference between me and my brother. My brother is three years older than me. Um, it's just is is amazing, really, because he uh, he's not very like computer savvy. He's not very techy, anything like that. And he he kind of had to adjust to it, whereas I didn't because I grew up with it. And it's yeah, just as a side yeah, note, yeah. I thought it was quite interesting, really. Yeah, it's it's uh, a good point. Um... Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I, I guess <laughs> on to a slightly now lighter. Fortunately, subject. uncanny in humans number twenty was not heavy at all. No, that what a fun <laughs> issue. I know a lot of people were expecting a lot more. Yeah, yeah, but let's be let's be honest. Stakes, but I absolutely loved it. I thought that issue was so fun, and Charles Soule's Maximus is my favorite Maximus. Yeah, it's a good one. He makes Maximus into the lightful asshole. <laughs> he, he he writes him like a typical British villain. Put it that way. Ah, okay. That's in my opinion, uh, anyway. Yeah. You can so agree, like, you can disagree uh, if you want. There, <laughs> there was an advertisement here in the states for Jaguar sports cars, where um, Tom Hildenson and Hiddleston yeah. uh, and um, oh gosh, what's his name? Mark Strong. Oh, and uh, another English guy says, "Like Englishmen always make the best mo- movie, yeah, best villains." And uh, it, yeah, you're right. Uh, Maximus would would fit in quite well with the three of them. Which is which um, is kind of why I'm actually really glad that Maximus in the TV show is being played by Ewan Rian, because yeah, I I just think that there's you know okay, this might be me just being a bit biased because I am British, but. Oh really? I didn't know that. <laughs> but, <laughs> I had no clue. Oh dear, didn't you guys? Oh, God damn it, I hit okay. it so well. Couldn't tell. But you know, didn't have an accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, you have no idea. I thought you. Were sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you're sorry. glad that sorry. he's being played. Yeah, by... played by a British guy because I, I think there's a sense of obvious pride in that, but I think it's because. Um, there's, there's a big difference between American actors and British actors. Am I, is that stepping the line a little bit? Am I insulting you now? I don't know. But no. I think Insult there's a, away. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a difference between um, 
British villains and American villains. Put it that way. Okay. You know. Okay. Um, okay. I haven't got okay. any. I haven't got any examples, but you know, because I that yeah. was that was just something completely uh, off the cuff. <laughs> well, in any case, if you agree. This, yeah. <laughs> Without, you know, starting an international incident, um, <laughs> I, this issue is a lot of fun, and it is very much the antithesis of everything that was going on in IVX. It's um, it's goofy, yeah. it's lighthearted, um, and it was actually sorry, yeah, really quick. But I think that goofy and lighthearted is something um, that was definitely needed for this event, yeah. given the yeah yeah. Because, I mean, with with IVX, you had, you know, either a whole race died or a whole race's culture died. I mean, it's just no one's going to win. Um, it's, someone's going to it's going to be disastrous for someone. So a nice change of pace is um, Maximus building a Megazord and all kinds of goofiness going on. So in this issue, what happens is that uh, Maximus has had this plan to create synthetic Terrigen and um, and um, he and the Unspoken and Triton and um, Lineage team up with um, Banyan and Kludge <laughs> Kludge Kludge um, is an amazing name yeah. it's an amazing name yeah <laughs> and so it, instead of creating a machine to, to make new um, new Terrigen Maximus builds a giant robot that will go and stomp on well, mutants. Clutch builds a giant robot. Let's be yeah, real clutch. Here. Yeah, and um, no sooner than he reveals his robot, which no one asked for, than this giant uh, Megapron, I guess, <laughs> shows up. Oh and dear! It's it's the it unspoken. Was so good. He had married off the unspoken to the uh, prawn queen, um, not the prom pr- queen, prawn queen, um, <laughs> and uh, he's come back for revenge um, in a giant shrimp. Um, <laughs> and um, coming soon to theaters near you. <laughs> yes, exactly. The giant so shrimp. It's it's basically what you saw Power Rangers, Seren. Is it kind of Power Rangers? It's yeah. a giant robot versus a giant oh, monster. Dear. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> and like, it's so entertaining. Like any giant robot worth its salt, it has a giant laser sword. And he uses his laser sword to cut up the <laughs> giant shrimp like so much sushi. And unfortunately, the laser sword is made out of synthetic Terrigen, yeah, which the unspoken is able to absorb, and it empowers him, and he turns into a giant version of himself. Um, <laughs> which again is hilarious in itself. Yeah, yeah. So you can think of like a twenty-foot-tall Alan Arkin just going <laughs> mad, and he rips the robot in half, and he's all, um, you know. Yeah, exactly. He's all powerful, but then Maximus uses his mind control abilities to um, to get the unspoken to fire off all of his Terrigen into outer space and sort of drain himself of it, so that he returns back into his old sort of frail form. Meanwhile, um, Banyan's like had it, and he attacks Maximus, 
and yeah. Triton is forced to defend him. And so Triton just carved this guy up into a stump. He's not <laughs> dead. He'll be fine. But, um, yeah, he'll go but back together. Get, get, it's comic books. Come on, guys. He gets turned into a... He's a tree, and he gets turned into a stump. Um, and the reason why Triton defended Maximus is that he knows that Maximus has succeeded in creating a formula for synthetic Terrigen. Uh, yeah. He's now an essential person. He's... he's uh, He's absolutely essential, and um, this is going to give him power and influence um, moving forward that uh, he may not never you know have possessed before. And um, <laughs> you know, Maximus is just monologuing like a knucklehead the entire time, talking about how <laughs> this clear defeat is actually a moral victory, and. Um, you know, that the Inhumans need to learn to adapt and evolve on their own without Terrigen. And Triton's like, you know, shut up. You're just an <laughs> asshole. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it was... It was... It was and, and I know, like, um, I've seen uh, uh, someone on the internet. He said that... Um, he said that he enjoyed this story, but he liked... Or he enjoyed this arc, but he liked song of endings as a story better and, yeah. and i think that's fine but i think and i and as i was going back to what you're we saying before it's like this final arc for charles solda and and we'll get into the epilogue of the issue in a minute but for for charles solda end it on this arc i think because he was he had the unfortunate it was kind of unfortunate and it had to tie into this big event i wish he could have told ended the series without having to tie into an event but I think having Maximus just be this delightful asshole that he is, I think it was added, injected some much needed levity into the whole issue. So at hand, so. well, it's it's true. It's also it's. Um, I mean, it was kind of like the uh, uh, <laughs> the liberation of Charles Soule because I think he's had to deal with editorial mandates throughout his entire run. Oh, definitely, yeah. on, definitely on, on doing the Inhumans. And with this last arc, he was kind of like, fuck it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm going to do what I want to do. And told a story that ostensibly was an IVX crossover tie-in, but it really didn't have anything to do with IVX. It, yeah. was, just it was the best kind of tie-in. Absolute madcap romp of, um, you know, middle finger to the establishment. I'm going to do what I want. And good on him, you know? Yeah. And honestly, I think... Um I get the impression that he just loves writing Maximus anyway. <laughs> so. Well, it's so excels at it. I mean, the, and and let's give proper um, uh, kudos to um, boy Ario Anidito, who's the illustrator. Sorry yeah. for butchering yeah. the name. Um, Please who draws <laughs> draws a wonderful Maximus. He just yeah. uh, the, the, the dialogue. Expression. And the facial expressions. It's, you know, not since uh, the, um, I think of um, Justice League under uh, Giffen and McGuire, where the the, the, di- the kooky dialogue and the wonderful facial features match up so perfectly, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's just one of the, the, the bug eyes. And the, <laughs> <laughs> that just cracked me up. Um, no. Yeah, so there is an epilogue to the story. Um, there is, yes. Uh, that after the whole mishamash goes down with um, 
with the giant robots and whatnot, we we are treated to um, Black Bolt and Medusa's conversation in the uh, quiet room because of um, how what what the X Men did to neutralize Black Bolt's powers. He can now, for a very brief time, speak, and it allows him and Medusa to actually have a conversation, a verbal conversation, something they rarely can do. Although they've done it a few times in the past, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know they kind of talk about what they've been through, and you see the sort of seeds of them maybe getting back together in the future. And you know, Medusa asks them point blank, you know, if you had known that release, you know, triggering the Terrigen bomb, creating the Terrigen cloud, would have resulted in this sort of terrible event, that it would have harmed so many mutants would you have done it or did you know or whatever and he was like no i had no idea um i would never have done it i would i would have figured out some other way of defeating thanos had i known that um this would have hurt mutants now is he telling the truth i don't know well yeah i was gonna say because there's a little bit of uh you know, question about that because he he has you know people have wanted to detonate that Terrigen bomb for some time. Um, yeah, it's been brought up a few well, times. He, so. he tried to do it in. Um, didn't he do it in? Was it War Around Love Kings? But Crystal disabled the bomb. Yeah, it yes. was one of the two. Yeah. Yeah, so he wanted to do it then, and then working. He's, yes, working. So then he finally does succeed in doing it, and then I don't know. That's shady, but I think he's it been... explains why. Because people were going, well, why did Medusa take that little piece of Emma Frost? I'm like, well, she took Black Bolt's voice, so Emma's gonna, so Chris, uh, Medusa takes something a little bit, a piece of Emma. So I just thought that was interesting. A yes, a true pound of flesh. Um, but, but I mean, you know, talk about the overall run as a, you know, as a, as a as a complete series. It's, it has been really good, and I think that whilst there has been sort of faults. Maybe um, it's still been incredibly good, and it's still been a really, really nice book to read. Oh yeah, this. I mean, with twenty issues, it's the longest singular in human series by far, and um, a great series. I mean, uh, I, I look back at all the arcs, and they've all been pretty good. I mean, there's some better than others, um, of course, but um, by and large, just a lot of just really good work and um like i said i think that both soul and will moss were given really tough demands yeah. with yeah book. i think there was a lot of editorial uh, interference <laughs> micromanaging i mean he was basically told here's the inhumans they're so different from the x-men make them more like the x-men like uh you know put this here's a round peg put it through that square hole and it's it's but he he did yeoman service he he told stories that had kind of a superhero flair but managed to keep the real essence uh, essence exactly of of the inhumans in there um which is quite hard difficult hard hard job and i know that some x-men fans hardcore x-men fans really are down on him they feel like he did a disservice to emma frost and so on and so forth but which is lucky the ones <laughs> yeah. because he's writing them now yeah well yeah 
I think those who give him a chance with astonishing X Men will um, will be happy that yeah. that yeah. that um, that he brings a, he's he, he's dedicated to the franchise he's writing, and um, you know perhaps some will never forgive him for uh, for throwing Emma under the bus. Wasn't his idea, I'm sure. Um, but uh, I think that um, I'm looking forward to reading Astonishing X Men. I think it's uh, it's an interesting squad. Yeah. And um, who is I it? It's, who's who's that? Great. It's Rogue and who else is on so, that? It's Rogue, Rogue, Old Man Logan, Rogue. Phantom X. Um, who else is Mystique. on it? Mystique. Mystique. Yeah. Uh, That's an interesting scene. It's it to me. It's more Bishop. like um, yeah, yeah it's Angel. It's it's closer to a like it's almost an X Force team in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's just it's but it's a astonishing X Men apparently. So, yeah, whatever. If, um, I it's a uh, I think and um, I think one one of their central goals is to take on um this maybe a new Brotherhood or Dark X Men that'll be Emma's team. So he's going to continue on with making Emma into a villain and uh, <laughs> Everybody's continue on having well I, you know maybe it'll be great I, um, I think it'll be good see I, I, think, I think so I, I mean the thing is is, is you're talking about um, you know uh, Uncanny 20 being like a almost like a swan song I suppose it's kind of like I, I felt that I feel that he was probably writing his new book curse words at the similar similar sort of time um, which mm-hmm. is which is really good, by the way. But they're all very funny, very um, you know, the actiony, but they're also just incredibly non-serious. And I think that it has shown it has shown through for the last three issues of Uncanny and Humans and Curse Words because the comedy is there. And you know, I don't know whether um, Charles Soule noticed that as well. But everything just seems a lot more mm. positive in the books. And yeah. yeah, maybe that's just him well, trying think, through. Uh, but yeah, well, you know, I mean, both the Inhumans and the X Men were given um, tough tasks with, in terms of, you know, creating stories with this Terrigen plotline. This whole notion that the Terrigen myth that that so central to the Inhumans culture is deadly to the Inhumans to the mutants. Um, it's that's a tough, that's yeah. a tough story to deal with. It's, 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 I think, I sorry, think Soul did a great job with it. And as much as a fan of Jeff Lemire as I am, I think Moon Knight is probably one of the best comics written in the last, in the last year. Yeah, I don't think that uh, the Extraordinary X Men did as well uh, dealing with that storyline. I think they told tales that seemed a little recycled, um, and yes. that might be part of the the animus that has come out. Um, towards uh the inhumans from x fans is that the x books haven't been very good lately i think they 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 will be i think the resurrection will be really good um i'm hoping i also think there's a bit of an issue there because um so i don't know if you guys have heard but jeff lemire is actually leaving marvel he's not writing anymore oh has that been made official i had heard a rumor about that but i don't know if that's actually i think it i I think I, i don't know whether he made it official or not but um yeah he's he's not writing any more marvel books and whether that's that's a loss for marvel it is a massive loss i mean marvel have lost an awful lot of writers in the last what year since um Mm -hmm. since the end of secret wars 
and but Jeff, I, I I feel maybe the X Men could have been something to do with that. I don't know because it was such a it's such a crappy storyline to have to write. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I think I I have faith that Charles Soule will be able to kind of turn that boat around a little bit. Um, and well, then yeah, we also I mean, have well, it, I mean, I know we're I I think I think it'll be all right. Oh yeah, no, it'd definitely be all right. But I think that's because it's tr- changed from being a Terrigen story to being a you know an X Men resurgence kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, they're gonna right. they're gonna turn the corner, and uh, we will we and will hopefully of see turning corners. Uh, the royal family will be turning corners too because yes. they're going oh, to yeah. go straight up. By the time you're those of you, thankfully, um, are listening to this. By the time you're listening to this, Inhumans Prime will be on the shelves, ready to be read. And um, it's, I think, will be uh, the book that kind of demonstrates the general tenor for the Inhumans moving forward. Um, the, the stories that, that continue on in the Royals and Secret Warriors and Black Bolt um, will be kind of started here in Inhumans Prime, so I'm very excited to read it. Which yeah. uh, which reminds me, actually, talking about um, the Black Bolt book, actually, uh, I went down to London, uh, when was it? Was it last week? Somewhere like that. I went down to London to see a gig, but I also went into Forbidden Planet. Um, anybody that's in the vicinity of London on the day that Black Bolt issue one comes out, uh, Christian Ward will be there signing copies. Oh, cool! So, yeah, I, I mean, will not. I will not be in the vicinity myself, but man, nor, that would be nor great. will I. That's awesome. And he <laughs> yeah. seems like a really cool guy too. So, I think Black Bolt, um, between Mister Ahmed, I, I, I'm so sorry, I cannot pronounce the name correctly. Saladin Ahmed. Yeah. Ahmed. Okay, between Saladin Ahmed and Christian Ward, I think they've got a really like the two of them clearly have a passion for this book. They're tweeting about it constantly. And um, yeah. when I see creators that seem to have such a love for a book like that, I mean, you just have to check it out. Make sure you go check out Black Bolt. Um, in a recent interview, um, speaking of Black Bolt, I, it sounded like Al Ewing um, said that uh, he said dust touches the team like almost immediately. And I can't help but wonder if possibly that may be because um, they have to fight apparently through that uh, Chitari annihilation wave that uh, is being oh, yeah. dealt with in Captain Marvel. Um, apparently, um, they're going to have to fly through that. And I'm wondering if maybe perhaps, and I, and I, and I guess we'll get to see this in Royals next week when it comes out. Um, uh, not next week, but Well, soon. not Royals. Um, the Inhumans Prime, maybe yeah. we'll see a little bit about that. Um, soon, I can't help yeah. but wonder if maybe, because Black Bolt is taking place in a prison, I can't help but wonder if maybe they might think he's dead, but he winds up in this prison instead, and that's like the lead-in to Black Oh, that's a possibility. That's, yeah. That's kind of my my theory on that um because so, but is the isn't the royals um like hasn't there been preview art come out for the royals uh book yeah it's it's, it's coming it's the first one to hit and it's i think early next month uh it comes the out so, comes so, out before black bolt does so yeah, only five are still coming back so i don't yeah. i don't think i think black bolt will probably come back so it's probably going to be somebody else who dies but i think they might think black bolt is dead if if it if the story goes the way I'm tinfoil hatting it going. Could be Swain. <laughs> Swain could be the killer. Got it. No. He better not, not be. <laughs> I don't want a, you know, Al Ewing has said that right off the bat that one of the cast members is going to die. 
and that has put the fear in me. Like, <laughs> I just don't yeah, want any of this to die. It, no, because um, it's such a great cast. I know. Yeah. I mean, even even Novar or Marvel Boy, who's not an inhuman, is a character I've loved for a long time, ever since the... Uh, the um, Young Avengers? Grant Morrison, J.G. Jones oh, uh, miniseries, and then Young Avengers. Um, he, he, I like him a lot. I don't want him to die either. I don't want Flint to die. I don't want Gorgon to die. I don't want any of them to die. Um, but it's comic books, so they'll be alive again in a couple of years. Yeah, so yeah, no yeah. one really dies. <laughs> but like, the thing but is, I, it, it seems to me that Ewing for Royals, when he picked this cast, he kind of took some of the more beloved characters, so he, like, took, like, the favorite four royals, and then he's like, okay, well, who out of, you know, the new humans that's not, you know, Kamala Khan or Mosaic, who have their own solos, do I want to take, and it seemed to me that even though we didn't see a whole lot of Swain, and what, but Flint got had his own arc, it seemed to me that those two characters um, were actually pretty well beloved in, in Asmus's run, so... And he yeah, did mention well, he likes Swain yeah, a lot. So I'm apparently. wondering if we'll be seeing. Pa- yeah, he does, and I, he did mention Panacea in an interview, so maybe she'll be going along for the ride too, but just not as a central cast member. Yeah. Um, he also mentioned, and this is a a new piece to the uh, Inhumans lore, that Gorgon is apparently a widower, that the uh, mother of one of his two children had died at some point um and that also he's he's not possibly um that that he's not fully cured of his um his uh former paralysis he's in chronic pain uh because of his uh the old wound of being shot in the spine back in inhuman annual one yeah and um so we're getting a. Uh, he's already. Uh, Al Ewing's got a definitely a, a new direction. He's taking the Inhumans in. I think that he will be less encumbered by editorial mandate than than, than uh, Soul was, and I think we're going to get to see the Inhumans letting their freak flag fly a little more in in the uh, Royals, which I'm very yeah. much looking forward to. Out of the three of them, that's the one I, I think I'm looking forward to the most is Royals. Um, so I, I'm like so excited. Well, I love the Ultimates anyway because what Al Ewing has done in the Ultimates has just been amazing, and um, so I'm really, really, ex- really excited for the Royals. Like I cannot wait for that book. I ha- I don't think I've been so hyped for a book in a long time. So <laughs> well, cool. other than Spider Woman every month, but this is a whole brand new book, so I'm really hyped for it. Um, Adam, do you do you have a a, a particular uh, uh, book that you're the most excited for? Uh, well, what in Resurrection, um, Black Bolt, because I I genuinely really adore Christian Ward's art. Just he, it's it is fantastic yeah. art. Yeah, it is. Like, yeah, I'm gen- surprised he's been allowed to post as much as he has for it, but it, I I think it's drumming up excitement. So well, the, the funny thing was, I don't know if you follow him on Twitter. Um, I do. <laughs> so he put up a picture of um, uh, one of the characters he's drawing. I'm pretty sure it's, it's, it's Kang, isn't it? I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't know. Is it Kang? I can't. It was one. It was a character. Um, but I, I just like how he how he's he's really interactive with the people that he talks to because his wife then um, replied to that and said because he said guess who this is and she replied your mum. <laughs> And 
<laughs> I was just like, yeah, a great sense of humour there. Yeah. So I, I appreciate so, that, but it, yeah, his art is going to be brilliant for Black Bart, I think. It's I, I'm I'm also a big fan of his art, and I love the way that he is keeping true to his own style, but also incorporating a real Jack Kirby flair. Yeah. And yes. I I think it's going to be a beautiful book to look at. Yeah. Um, yes. That's that's half the reason I, I buy comic books. To be fair. Did you see you know. his? Did you see Christian Ward, um, Somni, um, Chris Somni posted a uh, Black Bolt picture he had up, and then Christian Ward went and colored it, and holy shit, like <laughs> it was so beautiful. And I'm like, dude, it's just, yeah. oh, it was amazing. I just love this art. Uh, yeah, I uh, now just to sort of round out the three. I'm also excited for Secret Warriors. I think that um, that is launching into crossover. Is- the- to the Secret Empire, yeah, yeah. which is going to be. Oh uh, no, I'm excited for how that's going to launch because that's that's going to be fun. I think that's going to be probably I, heavy. I'm just not looking forward to Secret Empire, really. I'm going to be oh, brutally I'm honest. Really okay. good things about You're it. You're allowed. Apparently, Marvel let the um let retailers read the first issue. I think, and okay. people. I just recently read this because some um some of the comic book. Uh, shop owners have been posting on Twitter that they're like, you know, I read, I think it was like Secret Empire Zero. They're like, I read that, and they're like, I'm listening, Marvel, because apparently it's shaping up to be excellent. See, so, I, I, I do well, really like um, Nick, Nick Spencer's writing on that, on, on just Captain America's books. Um, but it's just, I don't know. I just think Secret Empire for me is just going to be a bit of a. I'm I'm kind <laughs> yeah. of excited for it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a go and read it. Um, and I like how um, well, it's kind of tough to launch a book in the middle of a, a of a crossover yeah. and an event. But I think Matthew Rosenberg is a good enough writer that he'll be able to really make it work, especially but, with yeah. Ace on the team. But the other thing um is is that the June preview for uncanny or not uncanny for um secret warriors number three i think it is if you chris somni did the cover and i'm a big fan of him but if you see it it's moon girl and karnak yeah yeah they're they're doing a they're like karate kid thing yeah and i think that i just thought that was awesome i think that's what i'm looking forward to is seeing those characters interact uh karnak moon girl and miss marvel and daisy uh johnson all interacting it's God, it's a dream come true. I think yeah, if it's done I mean, in a, it's, sorry, I, mean, I think it's, if it's done in a similar vein to the original Secret Warriors, I think it's going to be excellent. But I just, I just, I'm not overly hyped about the fact that it's launching straight into a an event. But I, I guess we'll well, I think that right after IVX, I too have event fatigue. Yeah. And but Secret Empire does intrigue me. I mean, I. Uh, Nick Spencer is not exactly shy about his politics. <laughs> no, he's not. And, <laughs> no, he's uh, not. And the the theme of Secret Empire, which is America being taken over by um, a na- ultra nationalistic fascist regime, uh, is shall I say topical? On target. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite funny because right. and. It, it kind of goes back to what I was. I I, I can't remember. I mean, we we spoke about EarthX, did we not? I think. Um, and it kind of goes back to that because it's it's because that happened in that book as well, and it was just it was that was a good read. Don't get me wrong, but 
I just yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of just pull back the <laughs> pull back my hype for it. Well, that's cool. I can understand that. There's I, nothing wrong with that. And it's also possible that you know, I mean, this is a kind of an America centric book. I mean, it's about. Um, I mean, it, it really touches home with what's going on in our country. And as a big time lefty, I'm like, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> like, right? I want to see, I want to see these uh, stand-ins getting their asses kicked by my favorite <laughs> superheroes. Right? Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to having Steve Rogers back too, which will. Of course, be how this ends, right? Right. Well, but, well, um, well but then again, I'm... secret, um, not secret wars, uh, Civil War Two had that ominous ending, and apparently that could still happen. Yeah, it won't, um, but it well. could. But we'll we'll have to see. And I I think though I think I think Secret Warriors is actually going to wind up being a pretty a pretty great book. Yeah. I I have I have faith in it. I think with the cast of characters they've got and how different they all are. Um, I think it's it's gonna wind up being extremely entertaining and also I, think I, I really I really think it's gonna be a good book and I, I really hope a lot of people like it and anyone who I think is more um who want to know what's going on with the Inhumans that are left on Earth I think that's gonna be the book you're gonna want to read. Yeah, and I I do I do kind of hope I do have a lot of hope for the interactions between all the characters there because it's just gonna be. You know the fact they've got the the young and the old on there, yeah. right? It's just going to be such a. Well, yeah. it's also um, the one comic that has the least um, kind of inhuman lore to it, because Karnak is the only member who, the only royal who's in the book. So, like those readers out there who are not keen on the Inhumans because of IVX. Um, uh, Secret Warriors may still be quite accessible because it really stars all the characters who saved the mutants on it, hmm. um, and uh, it, it, you know. So it, it, I think it'll be a, it'll it, it all makes for a good balance. Yes, it yeah. does. And, and looking into it, and then we've got um, Kid Kaiju for the Monsters Unleashed um, event. So he's uh, uh yeah. he's getting he's his solo, around. and he's an Inhuman. So that's our other Inhuman book. Well, sort of. So he'll be around too. Yeah, I'm wondering do I, should, do I need to start making reviews for that book as well? It's I, I it's just getting. <laughs> I think I think I, I was about to say I think we need to uh, to start dividing the uh, reviews up. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. Yeah. Now I mean, is Colin Bun writing that? Um. Yeah, I think he is actually. Let me Google that because. Because we are prepared. I, I haven't been. Yeah, aren't we prepared? <laughs> um, I was impressed with um his inhuman knowledge in uh it was Monsters Unleashed number four. Yeah, and he brought in um all this stuff about the Universal Inhumans, and you know he really harkened back to some of that. Jonathan Which was Hickman awesome. Stuff. It was awesome. And it, it was pretty cool. Um, Monsters Unleashed is kind of a goofy book. It was more kitty-oriented. It was just uh, a fun I, break, yeah. I think, from what was going on. Yeah. I'm very much looking forward to giving the trade of that to my nephew. He's going to love that. It's it's uh, a, He's into monsters. And uh, uh, what are it? Kaijis? Is that what they're called? Kaijus. 
Kaijus. Um, he likes all that stuff. So it, it's a fun book. And I, I'm definitely going to give Monsters Unleashed the solo a, uh, a, um, a good go. I love Elsa Bloodstone. She's a f- super fun character. And she's going to be a part of the supporting cast. Um, and um, I also like seeing Lunella and Kai interact. I don't know fun. if she is she going to be. I don't know if she's going to be in the. Um... In the so, no, she won't be a, a a cast member, but I'm sure there'll be uh, crossover at some point or another. Yeah, um, I'm looking up. I think Columbus is, is writing Mo- Monsters Unleashed as well. I mean, you, you got. I love I, my first experience with Elsa Bloodstone was in um. A force, and she's. I think she's going to be a quite a fun mentor for a little kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. God, that kid's going to get quite a um, education in swearing. Um, yeah, I'm sure. So, she, I also love that all the members of Next Wave have finally made it into the proper six one six Marvel universe. <laughs> I don't know if you got if you two have read ne- Next Wave by Warren Ellis. No, and I've read about Woman. I've read about it. Oh, you guys, it's so much fun. It's so good. Um, Yeah. It has nothing to do with the Inhumans, but it's uh, nonetheless a very good book. (laughs) Um, Highly recommended. Five five out of five Lockjaws. Yes, Um, um, Cullen Bunn is writing the ongoing as well. Oh, that's excellent. He's good. Yeah, that's good. Alrighty, guys. Well, I guess that's it. Yeah, that, that, is, that was a good chat. That was a good chat, meandering about things, about everything, really. I think it's, 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 we've got a lot to look forward to in the coming months, put it that way. Yeah, yeah and really excited. Let, let us know which uh, future Inhuman book you are most um, interested in, and we will uh, retweet it or whatever. Um, yeah. So what's, the, what's the address? Or what's our, tw- our Twitter account? Adelan Rising One on Twitter, or at Adelan Rising One on Twitter, and you can also email us at the show at AdelanRising.com, Although we don't seem to get as many emails as we do tweets. Yeah, so. send us emails, guys. Come on. Right? Um, <laughs> you know, we we could you could you can send us submissions to stuff for the website if you want, and we'll read them. Oh, and, cool! You know, excellent. Maybe. Well, <laughs> and next time, I promise to be more on point. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening yeah. everyone. thank you for listening and until next time don't get drunk kids <laughs> oh dear edit that out <laughs> alright I stopped recording <laughs>